Hello and welcome to Crazy Russians in DevOps podcast, where we're talking about all things DevOps, from technology to culture, with heavy Russian accent. Welcome to the first ever episode of Crazy Russians in the Whoops. Um, you have no idea what is that. We have a little idea of what is that. So let's take it um, through. Uh, let's take you through it. So what we are talking about is the first ever podcast about DevOps, um, hosted entirely by a um, bunch of crazy Russian people. Uh, I don't think anyone is actually Russian, though, and that's the funny part of it. We are Russian-speaking, and we share a lot of, um, I would say, uh, um, common mentality. Mentality, and um, if you know what this mentality is, you will totally get the gist of uh, how this podcast is going to run. So Russians are very expressive and very aggressive. Aggressive. Uh, we are not totally up to this level, but we're definitely going to give a hard time to some topics and some of our guests. Anyone has anything to add? Well, we're direct to the point uh, and don't pull any punches. I don't, I don't know. Are we going to speak Russian? or? <laughs> ah, no, no, no. We are going to speak English with heavy Russian accent. Oh, that's right. We have to maintain the accent to yes. maintain appearances. Yeah, so, and that know. means adding yes to any question. Yes. And expressing the... <laughs> because we are crazy, crazy. Having, having heavy Russian R <laughs> and also not using A and V when, when needed. Ah, that's important. That's important. Um, so I guess uh, we'll, this is our first episode of the first season. We will, we will um, see how it goes. One thing, give me confidence that it will be an awesome uh, podcast. And this is our first guest. And I don't think a lot of DevOps podcasts can actually um, claim that their first ever guest was one of the fathers of DevOps and the father of DevSecOps, John Willis. But look at the screen. We have him. John, welcome. You are on mute. <laughs> I am on mute. Yes. So now you're not. Welcome to Crazy Russians in the Boops. Yeah. I think he's Russian. I'm sure. I think you're all pretty crazy. I've met you all. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with the premise of this uh, podcast. You seem all crazy. Bruce, you're the craziest of all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. <laughs> so, well, thank, you. thank you for inviting me some, some quick quick intros for the hosts and John Willis we started with you obviously because uh, you definitely deserve it so as I mentioned one of the fathers of DevOps being there from, from day one actually uh, stand by, hand by hand with the people who invented the term and the entire movement um, one of the co-authors of the DevOps handbooks one of the most important books 
about DevOps, uh, the co-author of Behind the Phoenix Project, which kind of gives a background and the, and the history of other, one of the important books about DevOps, the Phoenix Project. Wait, there's a new book behind the Phoenix Project? You know, you need to monetize this thing, right? <laughs> now, it's actually, it's actually fun. It's a I lot of the conversations. Uh, it's actually conversations recorded from... Crazy Russian, I have to point out. Yeah, uh, between it, John and... Uh, um, it, it's actually beyond the Phoenix Project, but I think that might be my next book, Behind the Phoenix Project. Yeah, that one. Behind the scenes, you know, what, what does Gene really do when he gets back to his, you know, his normal life with his kids? You know what? When I was listening to this book, it was absolutely behind. That was all the, all the, all the behind the scenes stuff. There you go. Yeah, that was a blast. I mean, me and Gene, uh, it was a uh, labor of, you know, just Beyond the Phoenix Project, which is an audio-only book, which is kind of weird. And, 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 and it doesn't, by the way, you know, a tip to people who want to do audio-only books, um, you will not make any money off of that kind of book because nobody buys it. Oh, I did. Uh, so you're number 12 then. Um, I, I, I only copy. Oh, 13. Good. Awesome. Um, the, uh, anybody else? No, I right, just still, still topped at 13 people. Um, but it was, it was just incredible. We, you know, we went into the studio and we just covered, you know, we, we, me and Gene hack a lot about just talking about the industry and, you know, and it was really, how did he create the Phoenix project? You know, what was the, what was, you know, what was, you know, what was the actual strategy to writing the Phoenix project? You, you guys listen to it. And then we went into, the three areas that we felt that were really pillars of DevOps, you know, lean, of course, um, human factors and safety, resilience, um, and then um, learning organizations. So, yeah, it's, you know, if you're really a geek and you're up for like 11 or 12 hours of audio about all these other areas that directly inf influence this thing we call DevOps, you'd have a blast. So come, go, one audible credit. Um, you can be number 14, 15, and 16 if you order right now. All right. So here it is. That's, that's great. And let's, the book will be in the show notes. Yeah. And, and, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It will. And, and uh, yeah. And the father and I think the inventor of the term DevSecOps. And we are going to give you uh, some bit about actually, that. Is the historian that was uh, Shannon Leitz was the actual person who coined the term DevSecOps from Intuit. Ah, it wasn't you. No. no okay. Shannon, Shannon Leitz was the one who coined it. Um, Okay, but you're, you're kind of the big advocate. I, I, I've, been, I've been influential in trying to drive the movement, yes. Awesome. All right, we will give you a shit about that in a second. Let's continue with our intros. Uh, with us, we have uh, uh, Alona Prokharczyk, who is an engineering management manager in uh, Rancher. Uh, yeah, so uh, I manage engineering team at uh, Rancher. Uh, at Rancher, we build open source software for Kubernetes clusters, and the company is located in the Bay Area. California, and I do speak Russian, and I'm from Belarus, which is Eastern Europe, on the border with Russia. No, not Russian. And you're hiring, and you're doing awesome stuff. Okay, awesome. With us, we have uh, Archie Kakharidinov. No, close yeah. enough. <laughs> uh, who is a, a CNCF ambassador and a DevOps advocate in CloudOps, coming to us from a snowy uh, Montreal? Yes, yes. Uh, hello, bonjour, privet, isamesis. Uh, we do speak many languages here. Uh, so as uh, Baruch mentioned, I'm a CNCF ambassador in Canada, organizing a lot of events, meetups. Um, I also work as one of the local companies that, uh, you know, growing locally their own clouds and other stuff. 
and I'm Tatar by uh, you know by region, uh, so I have to speak many languages. Tatar Russian is my first languages, and since I live in Canada now uh, in Montreal, so I speak French and English. Uh, and today, I don't know in the podcast you cannot see it, but I'm sitting somewhere in the Quebec. Uh, it's minus 22 Fahrenheit outside, so I'm trying to be you know in a warm place somewhere and very happy to be done with us today. This is just horrible, just horrible. Yeah, so another not Russian. The next not Russian will be Leonid Golnik, um, executive uh, vice president of engineering with Signal Effects. I'll try for a longer title next time. Hello, everybody. Also not Russian, born in Kazakhstan, grew up in St. Petersburg and a bunch of countries after that. But I do run engineering for Signal Effects, where thanks to folks like John and others that creative DevOps that force different architectural patterns, we help people monitor those and observe those architectural patterns in production environments. And of course, we're also hiring everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and me, myself, also not Russian, uh, Baruch Sadogursky, developer advocate with uh, Jeffrog, born in Russia, lived entire, most of my life in Israel, which didn't help to my uh, uh, active, aggressive attitude. Uh, and uh, now uh, here in Silicon Valley, um, this is the Jeffrog, Sunnyvale Jeffrog office, um, and um, obviously um, we do cool products that picked up thanks to uh, people like John Willis and DevOps, because DevOps means tons of artifacts uh, flying around to production all over, and you need some way to make sense out of them. This is what we do. We help people understand what's going on with their artifacts, where, and answer questions about that. And obviously, we also hire like everything and everywhere. So yeah, if you listen to us, and for some very bizarre reason, think that you work you want to work with people like us? Think again. But if you still think, if you still think so, come. We all of us are hiring, and we'll be happy to have you. So this was a very long introduction, but I think we can do it because it's like the first episode. And now to the star of the morning, John Willis. Hey, good uh, good afternoon. Thank you so much. So one of the things I wanted to make sure it was clear is. On, in, I think it was June 5th at 8.45 a.m., I came up with this idea of DevOps. And then I basically took this magic wand and made it happen. Now, so you got to stop saying I'm the inventor of DevOps. Um, Patrick DeBar coined the term. Um, it's a shoulder of giants movement of just many, many people who I was early in and had the opportunity. And I got to do a shout-out to Adam Jacob from Chef where he basically gave me a credit card and said, go forth and help create this movement and mention Chef periodically. And so I was just in the right place at the right time. So um, but anyway, I, you know, um, I just, when people say, you know, um, you know, like I'm the inventor of DevOps and stuff like that, I, I, you know, jokingly talk about that one morning where I waved my wand and it happened. But um, yeah, I just want to make sure that people don't think that I think that way. But I okay, do appreciate no. We, we do not think that you actually made it with the magic one, but I think you, you're <laughs> one actually standing in the beginning of the thing and help pushing it forward, and we are forever grateful for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, um, it's just, it's been, a, it, you know, speaking of magic, it really has been kind of a magical movement, you know, if you think about even DevOps days, um, you know, this, um, you know, Patrick put in place this system 
Um, there's actually a, a DevOps Days uh, Austin presentation that Patrick did where he talked about kind of sort of the stewardship of how he envisioned DevOps Days to happen. And, um, and you know, I mean, I, there's probably going to be 100 DevOps Days around the world this year, certainly next year. And, and people don't realize you can be any city in the world. And literally, you know, people ask me, John, how can I run a DevOps Days? I'm like, go to DevOpsDays.com. There's a PDF. You download it, and it tells you how to do it. And you basically, you can be any place, Kazakhstan, uh, if they haven't ran one already. Um, you can basically go ahead. Uh, did I pronounce that one right? That was um, great. Good. Um, you can basically pull down the PDF. It tells you, you know, send um, an email to this app. This, you know, organizers, core organizers group, I'm actually one of the core organizers, and, you know, they'll create, you know, um, you know, they'll basically create you a mailing group, and then you basically follow instructions, you, you, you get clone the repository, you put in dates and names, you find a venue, there's some rules of engagement, excuse me, engagement, like code of conduct, and, and not giving out customer lists, um, but other than that, you just run a DevOps days, and and, you know, now we've got hundreds of them running around the world. And, like, there's no main body of people that control it. It's all volunteer-based. And, you know, if you think about each event has two, 300 people and you're running 100 a year, I mean, that's, you know, and it's a pretty, um, a pretty big blast radius of a movement that started out with one event in one day in Ghent in 2009, which I happen to be fortunate enough to be the only American at that event on Bar decided to create this thing called DevOps Day. Now, this is, this is amazing, and I think the, the hardest challenge in running DevOps Days now is to find this, a place when there is n none to actually be able to, to organize one, uh, because they are there everywhere. And uh, by the way, the DevOps Days Austin that you speak about, I was fortunate enough to be there and actually get my DevOps handbook signed with all four of the... Oh, authors, yeah, no, that was which great. Is, that, which is achievement by itself. And now it costs like, I don't know, like a hundred times the nominal price. And I'm not going to sell it. Oh, I didn't know there was a collector's market for it. So there you go. I have one. So I, if to, let me know what it's going on the market. I may put it out on, uh, on eBay or something. So. I, think, I think Bono is waiting till the time he can lend it to the Computer History Museum. <laughs> <laughs> this. 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 have gone incredibly haywire if that happens. So, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, it's been fun. I mean, uh, you know, I we we had a blast um, over in DevOps Days Russia with you guys uh, in St. Petersburg. So that was we had a lot of fun there. But uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead and pick me apart, man. I mean, like don't don't treat me special. You guys are going to be hard nosed and you know beat up your uh, guests. So come on. Yeah. So I wanted to start with with DevSecOps. I mean, what? Well, ah. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, right. Before we go into the future, like, let's, let's, let's take a healthy degree of skepticism and go back into the past. There's a reason this place and this podcast is called uh, Devil, uh, Rush, Crazy Russians and Dev Oops, not Ops. Oh, okay. uh, and we, we were fortunate enough to borrow the name from the organizers of the conference in Russia. Uh, by the way, John, uh, hopefully the collusion went well now that you're back. You know, we, we won't tell anybody. <laughs> I do my part. <laughs> everybody, everybody, do their part. Yes, but 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 I think before we talk about the future, it's important to talk about the history. Uh, and I think uh, uh, undoubtedly the conference is called DevOps as well. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like the movement has been out for a while. I think we crossed the chasm. Um, 
But uh, in certain organizations, more often than not, uh, you see the adoption lead to the oops rather than the ops. And John, I'm curious as you observe the, both the movement and the industry, kind of, what do you think, where are we are on the maturity curve? What's going on? Are yeah. people doing the right thing? What else can they do to do it? Yeah, no, this is, this is good because it actually bleeds into the DevSecOps question too. You know, um, so a little bit of history. You know, um, when Gene was about maybe six years into the, De- the Phoenix Project, um, I got to meet him through a couple of places. And we, we were both going to be at South, South by Southwest, and we, we had uh, lunch together. And um, this was probably 2008, maybe, I don't know, um, maybe seven or eight. It was definitely before 2009. But um, he wasn't really sold on, and Gina said this publicly. At that point, he, you know, the Phoenix Project was kind of rolling downhill. He knew what it was going to look like. He knew the story was going to be, it was going to be a big deal, this story, right? Um, rewriting LA Go Rats to Goal. But he was like kind of, you know, Picking my brain is like, yeah, John, you know, can I be honest with you? I'm not really sure about where this DevOps thing is going. And I guess he was kind of sort of asking, should he position the Phoenix Project as kind of a DevOps story or not? And I said, gee, and I said, here's the thing, you know, um, people like us who've been kind of around operations and the infrastructure, and we've been sort of lost at sea for many years. And I said, um, the one thing I felt that was strong about the term DevOps was at, at minimal, it was a lighthouse to bring us back to, to land. You know, I used to have this joke that operations people like cicadas, like we go to sleep for 17 years and then all of a sudden they wake us up and say, hey, fix this mess. It's like, you know, and then we go back to sleep for 17 years. And I felt like at the beginning, you know, 2008, it was all, there was just so much craziness. Cloud was just, people were just starting to hear about it. People were all confused about SaaS versus IaaS versus PaaS. And, and and all smack in the middle was like, okay, ops people, it's time to wake up. You had your 17 years sleep. Um, let's get this thing straightened out. And, um, and, and, and so that was the thing that convinced Gene that DevOps was real. Right? So the, the, the meta point there is I think in our industry, you guys remember when all the arguments about the word cloud. Is that a cloud? Well, you know, therefore, I think thou by this definition, that shall not doubt be a cloud, right? And, and the truth was we wasted an incredible amount of time arguing over these peripheral definitions of what this abstract term that really is something that is like gases in the sky, when we really should have said, let's just focus on the name being this lighthouse or a stake in the ground that we can walk around. So, so DevOps as a term that's created this movement where, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are now aggregating around these models and patterns to do things, that's great. And, and, and I would argue that DevSecOps, I'll get to that in a minute, is, is a similar type of lighthouse to bring security people in. And, and, and I'll anchor it with that in a perfect world, there should be no term DevSecOps. It should just be called DevOps. In a perfect, perfect world, it shouldn't be called DevOps. Right? And, and maybe it's engineering. It's engineering or it's transformation or it's, and, and so if I want to put my cynical hat on, that's my cheery, like all for good mankind and people kind, let's make the world a better place. Now I put on my hat about the cynical hat is, you know, these things run their course. You know, Six Sigma, Lean, Agile, DevOps. And probably DevOps is starting maybe to see its, its cracks in the armor 
um, of like it's sort of kind of running its course. The name DevOps, or we're making fun of it. You know, we're we're beyond the like. Oh my God, I have to have DevOps. The, the like, you know, I'm getting DevOps sick. engineers. I have to have three DevOps engineers. Right, and I'm getting sick and tired of hearing the name and the vendors. You know, a lot of vendors are are, are really misusing the name, and so DevOps what are we really box. doing here? So you completely ruined my next question because you just answered it. I will summarize it and see if you have any additional, uh, anything to add. So my, my question was like, what the heck DevSecOps isn't like, I mean, why Sec even deserves a special mention in the name? Because I would say like QA, it should be embedded in, uh, in, the, in the thing, right? Uh, yeah. DevOps means quality as well, both yeah. in dev and off. No. And I would say it also means security in both. Like, yeah. in dev, uh, escape your uh, queries uh, properly, and in ops, uh, hash and solve your password. That's kind of a basic of dev and ops. Why do you even need to bring yeah. back as a special topic, even in the name? Well, because security people are special. And, you know, I mean, the QAP, but they're just okay, not really send you in there, you know, biz. But we really felt that the security people were just, they needed that extra SEC. No, um, no, the, the thing was, <laughs> no, what it is, it, it's the same, it's kind of, it's a paradox. You know, I think about today as a paradox, right? We shouldn't have to call it DevSecOps, right? We shouldn't. Fundamentally, you're right. It is DevOps. We didn't, we didn't create DevQAOps. We didn't. But one of the things that um, our industry is security has been one of those weird bifurcations in our industry, like everything else and security. And, and unlike almost any other discipline, I, I don't think you can come up with um, in IT a representation of, of a group that has been so siloed for a lot of good reasons, you know, protection. sort. Of. And so the idea of DevSecOps, like I said, I didn't create it. And I wrote an article like, you know, it's just the name, get over it. And um, in fact, if you, you guys see my presentations, I'm like, okay, everybody who wants to argue about the word DevSecOps, go form a circle and a crowd on the left side of the room because I'll be on the right side of the room trying to figure out how to move forward and fix, you know, do the right things. So the name definitely gets the attention of security people. And security people are now poking their head in in DevOps meetups and discussions and internal in companies, they're showing up. And, and, you know, the same way I think that DevOps, a term was just a goofy name that created, I mean, um, again, to summarize, the paradox is we shouldn't have to have the name. Name was created by Shannon Leeds. And when I noticed that the name was getting traction from people who hadn't been involved in DevOps, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the name. I'm not going to argue with people of why it shouldn't be DevMar sec op qa i'm just going to go with this name because it's working and it you know and and because at the end of the day you know like all the accolades you y'all gave me in the beginning is i want to create goodness you know prior to devops i've been in this industry almost 30 years and it just seemed like we were never getting anywhere i mean I, like I, like you know i spent years doing tivoli stuff just feeling guilty about making money and buying a boat <laughs> and 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 all of a sudden, this DevOps thing, for the first time in my career, I felt like we were actually going to actually accomplish some good things in, these, in this data center and this stuff. I mean, stuff, I mean, we have our scars, but, but the last two year run has been incredibly transformative for, you know, and it's not just DevOps. 
Bob's, the things like Chef. It's what you guys done at, at, at JFrog. It's the cloud stuff, you know, your team and, and the, the prior stuff they did, um, you know, with cloud.com. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's a shoulder of giants thing. The point is I'm less likely to engage in a long conversation about why we should have SEC in between dev and ops than I am to have a conversation about it's a name that starts a conversation. Let's have the conversation. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think last question from me, and then I will, I will leave it to Alona and Leonie to keep beating you up. Uh, you mentioned that those security people uh, start to walk into the room of DevOps discussion. What do they say when they come in? Well, so, you know, the, the, the thing, first thing for me is um, when I first saw, so I've been going to, RSA has been running, uh, going back almost, it's at least three, maybe four years, uh, a, a, a pre-RSA, originally it was a DevOps day. And so I went to an early one, and that's where uh, Shannon Leeds, I met Shannon Leeds for the first time, and I, I heard her talk about DevSecOps, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go again. Another one of these, we're trying to change the name. So I was actually anti I would do whack-a-mole, basically, anybody who tried to morph that for the same argument. Why change it? And then um, a year later, I saw a presentation by um, DJ Schleen for Aetna, and he just called it DevSecOps. And it was this holistic picture of, of adding security at every level of the pipeline. You know, not just like a piece here, not just artifact management with security and vulnerability scanning or, or SAS or DAS. It was like a holistic we look at security at every level of the pipeline, you know, um, even from requirements and design all the way to production. And I thought, okay, this is cool. And then I remember going um, to a large client of mine who is very prominent in the de IT revolution, speaks every year at, IT, at the DevOps Enterprise Summit. And I was visiting their site and I said, had, did, had you heard? So this is a very savvy DevOps customer. I mean, like savvy to the point that, you know, Gene has about 40 or 50 people that are part of this inner circle, or I'm not called inner circle. It's, it's a group of people that are, that collaborate pretty heavily on, on this thing we call DevOps in the enterprise. And I asked this guy, I said, you know, have you heard DevSecOps? And he, he literally leaned into me like, no, what is it? And he was all excited. And between that presentation from DJ Sleen and then the way this guy reacted, had not heard it, and just the term, got him almost lifted off his seat. I was like, okay, there's something happening with this term. And then, you know, the next RSA, we call it DevSecOps Day. And um, I, I went around and asked, we had probably five, six X more security people in that event than we had the prior two or three years. Well, like always, it's all, boil, all boils to marketing. <laughs> it always does. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Marketing is not a bad term, right? It's when abused, it's a bad term. When, when it's used correctly, it's um, yeah. yeah. Uh, John, uh, you travel. You travel a lot. You give talks like in a different countries. I've enjoyed your talk in Australia and in Russia. What do you see? Uh, can you see that the questions that audience asks you in different regions? Did anything surprise you? Mm. Uh, do you see any like a particular interest to security in a in, you know in a, in a, any particular region, or you would say it's like a worldwide? Yeah, I mean it, it's still, you know I mean let's get the two um, the elephants in the room, right? It's weird to give a DevSecOps presentation in China. <laughs> it just it, there's a whole like weird like you don't 
where you go next on the conversations get kind of strange, right? Um, I, I felt a little bit um, like I, I felt like giving a DevSecOps presentation in Russia was going to be weirder than it was, and it wasn't. In other words, because I mean, a lot of um, what the body of work, a lot of what we work off of, you know, just to be wrote, like we work, you know, like one of the, if you take DevOps, like what is one of the, the core um, primitives of DevOps? It's CICD, right? And, yeah. and I don't tell you like, and, and I know you all know this, DevOps is not continuous delivery and delivery, delivery is not DevOps. But I, I guess if you had to say probably the thing that people, most people would think about DevSecOps would be, you know, vulnerability scanning. Right, that kind of come to mind first, and it, it's a big piece of what you do. It is not the only piece, um, but that that's a when you think about going to other countries and how they um, collaborate or think about vulnerabilities or foreign actors or um, or, or bad actors. Uh, it, it's almost like some countries I don't want to get into the, a conversation other than what's on my slide. Uh, that would be my first thought. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, you know, the, uh, the type of events that you speak at, and you're, you're an incredible speaker, by the way. I mean, Thank um, you. like, you know, I, I like your presentation. When, when I go up to you right after the presentation and don't want to wait for the one to get posted, so I say, can you please email me? That's the greatest compliment I can give somebody is what I, was, I I was very flattered. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, when I, when I ask them, can you please, and like, it's going to be up on a, no, no, no. I really like an email copy of your presentation. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, you know, the kind of, these events that we speak at, it's kind of universal that the people know what they're doing. Like you're a sysadmin, a sysadmin, a sysadmin. A great developer, you know, a real distributed developer is going to be universal no matter where we go. So, so I'm not surprised that uh, the, the savviness of the, the really technical and hard questions are kind of across the board normalized. Are those helpful answers? It, it does, yeah. And um, uh, I think Archie already left, but... Um we, the, the DevOps days, they run across the globe, and uh, the CNCF ambassadors are also getting like more, more uh, uh, adoption in different countries. What, would be the, what do you think would be the relation between the two? DevOps days, DevOps talks, uh, CNCF events? You know, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the things that's great about DevOps days, right? So there's kind of three things, or maybe four things going on, right? There's certainly DevOps days, which they're, you know, the core organizers um, are pretty good at making sure that there is these guardrails around it, right? There's no for profit. If you want to run one, you really should have at least three local companies that are clearly set, you know, like, you know, a company, uh, a software company, if they just want to run one in the city, they're going to get pushback like, okay, who, what other local companies are going to be running this with you, right? So there's, there's absolute purity in DevOps days. I mean, there's, there's definitely some fringes, but, um, you know, when you start about the Linux Foundation, right, um, I know it's um, a, a nonprofit, but, but it is, you know, I was just at KubeCon. I think most of you were there. I mean, 8,000 people. I can't imagine what that event, what, what the total revenue was from that event had to be. And 2,000 people in the waiting list. Or yeah, I know. It, like, uh, talking, so this is, you know, um, I mean, it's hard. To, again, I like Linux Foundation. The great stewards, I think, you know, the, the CNCF being part of Linux Foundation is great, but to call it a nonprofit is, you know, you know, that, that, you know that's a stretch. So, so right there you're talking about two different um, starting places, a place that is 
like purely profit. I mean, you know, Ladies Foundation makes incredible amount of money on training. They make incredible amount of money on events. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not questioning how they operate as I'm, I know they're uh, totally legit, but there's a lot of profit going around. Um, and, and that is kind of, um, it is um, orthogonal or it, it is, you know, it, it's different from what DevOps days is. So I've tried to do some events with Linux Foundation. I've done a couple and, and they're profit-based. You know, you pay to go to the event. There's so, um, so I, I, I don't know how those two work together because, you know, I think there's a protection mechanism around DevOps days that, that um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of my ass. I, I don't know um, because we do, we do create, there is revenue generated from DevOps days, but it's, but n put it this way, none of the, um, you know, there's sponsors, you pay for tickets, but nobody gets paid any money. There's no like DevOps days ambassadors that get like, you know, a salary or, or, you know, or, um, you know, a lead of a project that gets paid. So, um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that those two probably could exist in their current state for the, that reason. And n neither are bad actors. It's just, I, I don't like, I think they, the, they, they both have different charters. Yeah. Hey John, maybe can we can we briefly uh, rewind to to the topic we're talking about? I'm curious. Um, I know, like when Baruch uh, and Alona and I speak in different regions, even within a continent, sometimes you see folks that are in a different place on the maturity curve, right? From the bleeding edge, born in the cloud, all the way to uh, what is what is what is the say WSAMI uh, thing. Like, are you seeing uh, any any regional trends, both in the traditional kind of adoption of DevOps and uh, and how people think about security across uh, places you go to? Well, I think there's there's two answers. The first answer is that it always amazes me when I go to another DevOps, um, even one that's been run in um, like the ones that are a first time city, right? You're going to expect a high percentage of people that have that are new to DevOps. You know. How many people are in their first DevOps days? Like, you know, a majority room in a city there where it's never ran will raise their hand. But what's, what's encouraging and interesting is if you go to a city like um, even Austin or um, Minneapolis or some of those cities and you ask the audience, how many people is this first DevOps days? You'll see sometimes as high as 70% of the room in a place where they've actually had like five years of DevOps, six, six or seven years of DevOps days. Um, so there's always this cycling through and all those are going to be all the kind of the first time questions. And, um, you know, so I think you have this always continuing arc or, or, or kind of moving arc of people are coming in new and, um, you know, and then somebody who's kind of doing sort of intro level DevOps presentation, you know, as hardened people will be like, really? That's what, but the new people are like, oh, this is amazing. You know, Conway's lawyer. Oh my God, I've never heard this before. You know, and you know, run out the hall. Like I got to look up Conway's lawyer. This is amazing. And you're like, oh, geez, we were talking about that, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but so there's always this cycling. So I don't know that there's actually, you can pinpoint a maturity level. Um, the place where I see the best marker for maturity in DevOps in general is the DevOps Enterprise Summit. Um, now, in transparency, um, as far as selection committee, I don't make any money off it. There's no profit for me that. But, I mean, watching companies there, you're getting to see an evolution of companies that have been trying to do DevOps in the enterprise for four, five, six years. And I think you get a good marker on 
um, where the, the progression of companies like Nike or Disney or Barclays, or we go down the list, and how, you know, what they look like three or four years ago, what they look like now, um, and their challenges. Um, DevSecOps is so new. The, the only thing I like to say is that like, you can't have DevSecOps without DevOps. So if you're starting a day one journey and you want to talk about DevSecOps, I have this. A lot of vendors call me, John, we really want you to do a DevSecOps workshop. I'm like, what's going to be in it? And I'm like, well, we're going to cover the basics of DevOps. Oh, no, no, they want DevSecOps. I'm like, okay, let me say this again. We're going to cover the, day, the meta skills around DevOps, you know. And by the third time where they say, no, 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 you say, okay, well, it's nice talking to you. I'll talk to you later, right? Like, like you, you can't. Like if you're not if you don't have the primitives of DevOps in place, the meta skills and even the technology patterns, then that sec thing means nothing. Right? So in one way, DevSecOps is new. Um in but in other ways, it really is where are you on your DevOps journey? And if you're just beginning, then it's great. Now you can do everything all at once. DevOps and DevSecOps. Uh, if I'm just a beginner and I want to learn more about the DevSecOps and I don't go to the conferences, uh, where would you recommend for me to go? Well, hopefully in, um, in September, we'll have um, the um, uh, a Not for Redistribution copy of the DevSecOps handbook that James Wickett, myself, and uh, Shannon Leitz Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're chugging away. I mean, the plan is uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit Vegas next year. We'll probably have distribution copies. Um, so we're working on that. Uh, in the meantime, um, you know, Sonotype has done a good job of, sorry, you know, just, you know, they've, they've aggregated a lot of patterns, um, you know, different companies, and it's really their presentations. There are a number of DevSecOps days. There's one in London. Um, I think there's a three or four now getting kind of scheduled in the U.S. I think there's one in Phoenix, Pittsburgh, um, and I forget the third city. Um, there should be a DevSecOps.org. If you look for events, um, you should start seeing those uh, kind of schedule pop up. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's kind of scattershot a little bit right now. Um, I mean, hopefully when the book comes out, that'll be kind of like the Dallas Handbook where, you know, hey, this is a – this is a good place to start. Um, uh, there are, again, there's, there's some vents popping up. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, so, so, John, let's talk about other sources. Other than following you on uh, Twitter, shameless plug for your Twitter account, Mod Chitter. Actually, I'll let you pronounce or spell that. <laughs> yeah. A botchgaloop, B O T C H A G A L U P. It's P E. Terrible name. When everybody was first getting their their signatures on things like Twitter and the internet, I thought it'd be so cool to use this unbelievably unique name. And in some ways, it actually defines my brand, but it's just terrible for getting people to write it down and remember it. So, who else should folks uh, follow on Twitter uh, who has decent kind of thoughts? Oh, Shannon Leeds. Uh, Shannon Leeds. Yeah, th no, thank you because I'm going to go back and answer Alina your question. I would go ahead and I would basically watch every video that Shannon leads from Intuit. Mm -hmm. um, like I would, so for people like, like she, um, she's my mentor on this. I, I she's my rock. I mean, I just, the, she, she runs a 50 person red team at, at Intuit. Um, the way she thinks about um, this, this notion of, again, she's the person who coined DevSecOps. I would definitely, um, you know, I would 
read and listen. And she owns the original DevSecOps um, website, and she has something called DevSecOps Manifesto that she wrote. Um, she hasn't blogged as much. So Shannon is great. Um, DJ Schleen, um, he's at Aetna. Um, he's got some really good stuff. Um, James, so, you know, uh, let's, let's plug Shannon's Twitter as well, if you have it handy. Otherwise, I'm looking it up, and of course, it's going to be... Put it in uh, the notes, um, and then um, and then you'll get all these notes, because uh, James Wicked is over at Signal Sciences, um, and they do... They're at, the, the founders of that company were ex-CISOs, basically, and so they've got a... a kind of unique uh, product for. Um, so those are the people that I kind of hang out with the most, um, you know, and, and have been my kind of core resources. Josh Corman, uh, I'm actually not sure what company he's at right now, but he, he was my original kind of uh, mentor of, he actually despises the term. Well, I don't despise it. I haven't talked to him lately, but he every once in a while he, I'll get a, um, a ping from him to get on a call to plead me not to use the word DevSecOps. <laughs> and so I, I kind of, I, I, I think he's an amazing, amazing person. So I kind of duck his calls. <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at, but uh, he's not a big fan of the word DevSecOps to this day, I think, but he's an incredible ambassador of this thing I call DevSecOps. So that's a pretty good list right there. And we can jot all those down. I can get that's it. right. And, and Shannon is DevSecOps on Twitter. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, yeah there you go. That's pretty easy. So, yeah. That should be easy to follow. Those are those are incredible resources. The ones I've just listed. So, John, to continue on my pattern, I'm going to take us back a bit. Like you talked about, uh, people uh, having uh, like DevOps being prerequisite for DevSecOps, uh, and you also talked about it. If you're just adopting this for the first time, you should do this. Uh, now, like you're in this unique position, right? Because if you're in the middle of the journey, you kind of seem to be screwed. You have to finish one before you're doing the other. Uh, as a crazy rational ethical bullshit, it seems contradictory. Uh, like DevOps adoption is overwhelming to begin with. You're going to call bullshit on the founder of DevOps? Absolutely. That's why we are the crazy Russians here. <laughs> you remember aggressive. That's Baruch warned us. Let me do it like this. I'm going to call bullshit on it with the Russian accent. Bullshit. There you go. I love it. What, what is this crazy talk you talk about? No, but like DevOps adoption is overwhelming and hard for folks as it is, and now you're kind of tossing security into that, and there's a mindset gap, and they've been outside of the DevOps relationship to begin with. Like, are we not setting those folks up to fail? Um, you know, I raise like, all right, so let, let me be my crazy uh, Irish New Yorker. When we start our podcast, where do you see how we treat people? You ain't meant nothing to you some some Brooklyn and they tell you to park your car. I say that's Boston. But, um, the thing is, is that like these aren't little kittens we're dealing with, right? <laughs> Like, these are professional people. So I'm going to put my little cynical hat on, like, how we have to – I know when we, we're all, we're all like, hovering the software business and we consult. I've had software companies. And, and it is this how do we kind of get people on this page. And, and there's a whole notion that, like, we're, in some ways I think we think all the people that we're trying to evangelize are these little kittens and we have to – you know, like, they're professionals and they run big companies and sometimes they have to make hard decisions. And we can't always explain ourselves in exact science. Um, so that side of my answer is deal with it. <laughs> it's a hard problem. Transforming, a, you got two hard problems. One is if you don't start transforming your business, 
you're going to lose. You know, Andrew Schaefer, uh, you know, says that if you're not a learning organization, you're going to lose. To, you're going to lose to somebody who is right. Um, you know, like issue number one: if you have a business today and you're not learning some of these patterns and practices that we call DevOps, there's a good chance you're going to go out of business unless you're just lucky. Second problem is the breaches and the adversaries today are so advanced. By the way, they use TensorFlow. By the way, they can use cloud. Their cost of doing the things that they couldn't do five years ago has been decreased just like us. So they can do incredibly intelligent stuff to, to steal your data. So you get two problems, again, just to, to be redundant. You literally, you better start doing these patterns because somebody else who's going to do your business and put you out of business. And then you get the second problem, which is even if you get all that right, if you're not actually thinking above and over time on how to stop these incredibly intelligent, advanced adversaries who are getting paid ridiculous amount of money to steal your data, you're going to go out of business even though you did everything else right the other way. So buck up, buddy. No, you know, I mean, I mean, it's like you – like, it's a hard problem. So how do we then, as evangelists, right, because that's what we're all doing right here, right? right? We're, you guys are creating a podcast. We're trying to get people to learn things in the most efficient manner. Um, you know, in some ways, we have to be tough. But in other ways, we try to aggregate the best way we know how to help people solve those two problems, right? And so right now, for lack of a better way, you know, to, again, I'm not – diminishing your point because it's well taken is if I walk into a company, you know, I'll, I'm going to try to figure out like how, and they're like, they're, you know, the classic ones I see now are ones that have been 70, 80% .net shops for forever. We're completely convinced until this year that they were not a software company and didn't have to behave like a software company. And now for the first time, their CIO is scratching their head saying, huh, maybe I'm wrong about this. And now they're, they're, they're just a clean slate of opportunity. So how do you get them? And really you talk a lot about meta skills. You talk about like these things and you sort of downplay both the term DevOps and DevSecOps. You say, what are you doing here? Are you capturing work? Are you capturing a high percentage of the work? Do you have too many different systems that get in your way? Do you have bottlenecks? Do you have brands? You have institutional versus tribal knowledge, and, and you go through this whole litany, and you guys saw a little of this. I did my seven archetypes in Russia. So you go through all that, and the icing on the cake, the, the last catcher uh, is the, uh, is the you know, security and compliance theater. So, so you have to kind of come in and say, all right, for a moment, even though you invited me in the door through this term DevSecOps or DevOps, I want you to, for a few minutes, imagine a world where those terms don't exist. I mean, this is what I do as a consultant now. And then I say, okay, can we figure out what are these things that you do, that you think you do, you don't do, you don't do right, and those are the, really the core, um, those are the, basically the things that if you get those right, whether you call it DevOps or DevSecOps, you will accomplish those two problem areas, which is one, you better start transforming in these patterns and practices you're going out of business, or two, you better start dealing with thinking about these adversaries that are incredibly advanced. 
Love it. Love it. Yeah, so it worked. You know, the Russian... <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... the, the provocation. <laughs> hey, listen. What provocation? Really? <laughs> None. <laughs> Are you accusing us of being... No, no. But, but, you know, there's, there's a higher point there, too, which is yeah. the, I worry a lot. And it's not just the term DevOps or DevSecOps, or if you go ahead and lead the Lean uh, beyond the Phoenix project, you're like, oh my God, listen, I got to know about Lean. I got to know about these safety people. I got to learn about learning organization. I have to read, you know, these 50, people hate my presentation. People don't like to read, hate my presentations because they feel guilty. Because I'll, I'll recommend four or five books every presentation that I do, right? Um, so you got all of that. You got all this meta skill stuff that people like, oh my God, like if I hear, this person talk about, you know, lean and I hear this person talk about, and that on the other side, I got like, you know, I mean, you, you know, we're at Cube, most of you are at KubeCon, right? Like, oh my God, like, you know, I mean, NCO and Envoy are table stakes. I mean, this is crazy. Like, you know, I was, I was interviewing people and like, okay, let's, let's take this weird premise that at KubeCon, like table stakes is NCO and Envoy. I mean, that's, that's like hurts my soul to say that because like you go out to the general public, they don't, they're just trying to figure out what containers and Kubernetes is. And there's a whole group of people who are already like, Oh yeah. You know? And, and so what was the major conversation I had with people when I was interviewing people? And um, by the way, another shameless plug is something that we're coming out in January called the digital anarchist. Um, and I um, think Netflix for it geeks. So I interviewed a bunch of people at KubeCon and most of my conversations were around API extensibility. Right, so now you're talking about a really small group. People know how to make custom resource controllers, and like, like, God, the the person who works for a big company who does never gets to go to one conference a year, and it, you know, and they they don't really get training time. How can they even how even pretend to understand the complexity of what's going on in the cloud native world right now? Right, so I worry a lot about um, is our industry in general getting so you know. The, the, screw the whether DevSecOps or DevOps. Do we have an existential problem? You know, now I'm going off the rim, but an ex existential problem in our industry where we are just getting so horizontalized on the information that the average person in a company even has to understand to even have a normal conversation with somebody. Right? Um, you know, again, it's, you know, one of the things I loved about your presentation, Lena, is I was just starting really honestly to learn about CRDs, you know, all of a sudden you've got examples of them, like, oh my God, I got to talk to you, you know, you got a presentation. I, I was just coming up to speed when I saw you in a, I was just starting to learn about, you know, custom resource controllers and stuff in API, you know, uh, Kubernetes API extensibility, and then you show up and do a presentation on how you did it, you know, use some of those um, for your product. That was, that was Victor, but I'll take the credit. Uh, <laughs> you know, all those Russians, they all... <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting about the KubeCon this year is just the crowd was so different from the like, very first KubeCon I've attended. It was you mean, we went from hoodies to suits? <laughs> Not really, but it was the first conference, mostly developers. This conference, so many people from IT, so many people who just run IT labs, the DevOps engineers, like, it was really, really impressive. And the kind of the talks that you have at the booth are also different. And you're right, everybody's just trying to grasp all this complexity of the, you know, of the extending Kubernetes. And, uh, well, and think about the vendors. I mean, geez, yeah. I, 
I mean, just if you went down, just the vendors I interviewed, like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. That, that's um, that's another, you know, I mean, if you did a, um, a, a crawl walk of all the vendors and you were just coming in, your boss said, hey, you know, learn about containers. Okay, hey, boss, I learned about containers. Well, now I need you to go to this place called KubeCon. Okay, great. And then you come there and you're like, you see anything from, you know, kind of an introduction to containers or Google's what's, you know, you know, Google presentation about like a company, fictional company they started this year and what it's going to look like in 2020. I mean, like you would be, I mean, your head would explode. My head exploded looking at the vendors, all the vendor boots. Yeah. So the Wild West is upon us. Hey, John, going back again in my, in my typical fashion, because, you know, as they say in Soviet... You keep wanting to pull me back. Well, no, no. I want to. I want to. I want to go deep on a couple of things you pointed. I think that you pointed out that I think they better, uh, that are important. And as they say, you know, in Soviet Russia, the books read you. Uh, uh, you. You talked about the books, and there's plenty of them behind you. I see Toyota Kata. I see the Toyota Way. I see a guidebook on London, but that's probably not related to DevOps. <laughs> uh, uh, Racquetball book there, yeah. So. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about the books that you think. Uh, for folks at different stages of the journey, both of DevOps and DevSecOps are kind of the core pillars that they should absolutely go spend their time and invest their time read, or perhaps uh, get an audio book, uh, you know, one, one, one credit, uh, like behind uh, DevOps. Yeah, no, um, I mean, there's two threads, right? If you really want to be a student of this thing, I would say there are, there, you know, there's six or eight books, depending on what you want to look at it. Um, I honestly think that um, that there are six books that are fundamental, and, and they really would they're, they're kind of we 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 talk a lot about them in, in the Beyond the Phoenix Project audiobook. Like right? so, there's Mike Roth's Torticata. So a lot of what happens in DevOps, um, you know, if you if you want to understand how transformation works, you have to understand meta skills, right? You have to understand how an organization actually successful companies figure out how to um, scale um, what Mike Rother calls meta skills. And I like that term, right? Because the technology, the tool, like, it really isn't going to matter unless you can scale the people skills. And, and again, people skills that are basically, uh, you know, what are called meta skills where they're really good organizational. And so Mike Rother nails it in his book, Toyota Kata. And then um, I think a great follow-on book for that is Steven Spears' High Velocity Edge. And these are two people that have studied lean in a way that very few other people, the way they think about lean, you know, me and Gene and a few other people, we joke there's good lean, bad lean. There's all the hundreds of books that are written about lean and a commercial, the 12-step lean program, you know, silly. But if if you read those two books, you can skip in my opinion, all the other 100 books written about me, and you'll get the best dosage of what I mean by meta skills. John, what was the second book? I, I missed the name. Uh, High Velocity Edge by Steven Spear. My Velocity Edge. High Velocity, yeah. High Velocity Edge. Okay. And then the second area that has been heavily influenced by, mainly brought in by John Osbar, um, but had been going on for um, you know 40 years probably, is this notion of resilience engineering and human factors. And I think um, the best place to start there is a Sidney Decker's um, A Field Guide to Understanding Human Error. 
Those are awesome recommendations. Yeah, and 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 he talks about what they call safety one versus safety two. And the thing is, all these start overlapping. The second actually is John Ospar's um, um, thesis capstone that he got his master's degree in. I'll have to get the link for it. Um, it's a very it's dense, but those two, if you if you can only do two. There's a bunch of books by um, by Decker. So if you if you like that first book, there's Drift into Failure. There's, so you can start following his. Um, and then I guess I'll throw in um, there's uh, Richard Cook's um, How Complex System Fails, which really is just a paper. It's like maybe a ten page paper. Yeah, that, that's an awesome one. It's great. Uh, those are great recommendations. For and then, the and there's two more. There's two. Well, oh. in two, two, there's six and maybe eight. You know, you can obviously guess what the last two would be. But um, the, the last two would be in the learning organization space, and um, I'll give you the easy one first, Thinking Fast and Slow. Yep. yep. So, and then um, the one that's really, really hard to read, and it's almost like, it's like almost like a James Joyce novel of reading it so hard, but it's, it's probably worth it you can get to it, is The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge. Right? And, and so those six works adding, will give you this clarity of what probably the primordial soup of meta skills should look like. Nice. And then also, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm not going to, I mean, because I believe it's right, the Phoenix Project and then the DevOps Handbook. No, that, those are given. Right for sure. But I mean, I don't actually recommend them first. I mean, if you really want to be a student of this space and really understand the underlying meta skills that overlap, then I think those six works are the ones that you should go after. I'll disagree with you in a second, but I think Alona has something. Yeah, before you start arguing again, yeah. uh, John Leonid, I have to, I have to go. I just wanted to say thank you, John. It's yeah, well, thanks for. I love the work you do. I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm uh, I'm the biggest fan of yours. So okay. see you see you at the next conference again. Yes. Alona, thank you for joining us, and uh, follow Alona on Twitter at LemonJet. Thank you, Leonid. Yes. Bye. Uh, bye. And hey, John, like, the reason I want to disagree with you, I think there are two, fo the two like, at least for me, there are two archetypes of folks that come to want to learn about this. And what I love about the Phoenix Project, it's written in such a way that it's so easy for most folks in the industry to relate that it hooks you, and it, uh, one of my favorite books on the subject about how to deliver messages called Made to Stick. Like, this is the only book I reread every, like, 18 months or so because it tells you or teaches you about how to get your message across such as so people remember. And the reason I think, actually, for majority of the industry, the Phoenix Project is, is a good starter is because it hooks you so deeply because everybody has experienced it, and then it opens the door to the rest of the learning. I I don't disagree. I mean, again, it, you know, again, you, you, sometimes you have to get out of your own echo chamber. I mean, yeah. the, the Phoenix Project, you know, Elliot Gorat, right, the Phoenix Project, most people should know, it was a purposeful rewrite architecture and design of the goal by Elliot Gorat. I mean, Gene literally um, spent years studying the, the, the mapping of the goal and specifically with the goal, excuse the pun, to isomorphically map a story in modern IT to go. I mean, it was meticulous, um, it, the amount of work that he did to, to say, I wanted to make this true to a Goratnian style book. Um, but and Golrat always said, he said, the best way to teach people is through a novel. Yeah. He, 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 he said he didn't write an ERP, and here's all the best practices, the, the ERP, um, MRP handbook. Yep. 
I mean, he, he wrote this novel about this guy who was going to go out of business and meets this other guy who walks him through a Socratic sort of dialogue to help him understand what he should have known in the first place, which again is the So I, I, like, I don't disagree. I guess the only thing I'm saying is if you actually want to roll up your sleeves, again, on the premise that there, these aren't a bunch of kittens out there. Yeah. And we have, you know, um, cause again, I agree with you. The Phoenix Project is the icebreaker. You're not going to tell some CIO to go read these six books, right? But if you wanted to be a student, like people are like, John, how do you know all this stuff? Why do you learn oh. this? I'm like, well, if you want that route, yep. then do these six books. If you just want to get get the party started, then start with the Phoenix Project. No, it makes sense. I'm like, if I look at management, and about, like whenever I switch to management, I, I tell people that one of the biggest things that changed about my own reading, I stopped reading technology books and I started reading psychology books, right? Yeah. Um, but like Patrick Le- uh, Lencioni, right, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, that does by meeting all of right. those books would start as a fable, right, and then go into the method. I, I've been always a huge fan of that. Speaking of books, um, uh, our friend Baruch uh, is a co-author of the book uh, called uh, Liquid Software. Right, and, and Jay Frog is talking about the fact that, you know, as continuous delivery cycle uh, inc- uh, increases and the unit of the delivery shrinks, right, the software has to flow to production faster. Uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll, let me toss a grenade. Should we, should we rename DevOps into LiquidOps to be more, in, uh, more, uh, more uh, most encompassing? Because really, what we're doing as the movement, what we're trying to do, and, you know, aside from attracting the right disciplines and bringing them together, is about enabling that velocity that at the end of it enables differentiation, right? I, I love the way I, fi- I finally, uh, you know, uh, Bruce, on the thing, I, I, I read the book when it first came out, and then I, I owed some stuff for, for comments, and I said, but I, I did take a, a really college try at it again, and I love the metaphor. I think it's, it's a brilliant metaphor for where we are, where, where we've gotten to this idea of liquid um, in, in, in um, you know, renaming DevOps, you know, again, you know, pick your poison. Many have tried, <laughs> you know, like follow the, the, um, the, um, the wasteland that is called Gartner. They've oh, been trying to rename DevOps for many, many years. AI ops is coming. It's a, it's a challenge. Um, I think the metaphor will stand on its own. So I think when we talk about DevOps, as that book gets more popular and, um, and I want to be part of like promoting book because I do think it's a really good book um, that, that I think that metaphor of liquid will become or should become, and hopefully will become the um, a, a main concept under this notional DevOps and DevSecOps. Yeah. So, um, but literally calling it liquid ops again, I'm never going to tell anybody I've already, I've already done my hypocrisy with, for years telling people never name DevOps and then I'm a, a chief evangelist for DevSecOps. So yeah. I've seen successfully rename things. Yeah. But I think that the, the notion of that metaphor for what we, where we are today um, definitely needs to be an important um, part of the discussion. Absolutely. Hey, since I am the, one of the few hosts remaining, actually I'm the only host remaining until Barrett comes back. Uh, I'm going to use this uh, to my advantage, like we do in Russia, and manipulate things. <laughs> so one of the areas of DevOps uh, uh, that, and both the DevOps Handbook talk about and a lot of other evangelists talk about is with continuous delivering uh, reliance on data and monitoring, right? And I've uh, run some of the largest SaaS applications at the World Bank in my Taleo days. 
was an early customer of AppDynamics. I've been a vendor of the space when uh, I was running engineering for the old Wiley product, the CADM product, and now with SignalFX. Obviously, observability is a near dear uh, to my heart. And I, I, I want to talk to you about two things, like kind of your views on kind of how does observability weave into the canonical, kind of more traditional at this stage notion of DevOps, but I'm curious also to hear your thoughts um, on what does change when it comes to observability and kind of the core pillars of observability, right? Metrics, uh, traces, and logs when it comes to this new brave world of DevSecOps. Yeah, no, and, you know, we had a great conversation in Russia about this too. And, uh, but the, um, it's interesting, you know, when I, you know, one of the things I did that most people don't know, and I don't list it as much, but for the Linux Foundation, I wrote uh, Introduction to DevOps course. And originally, it was it was supposed to be kind of a, a course based on the DevOps handbook, but I actually went, you know, I, the notion of de- developer's fever, you know, where you, you actually get, you know, kind of lost in, oh, let me add this, let me add that. I, <laughs> you know, I, my foundation was furious at me for taking so long, and I had about 11 hours of stuff. And one of the sections I covered that we didn't really, we only covered, you know, like just piece, little pieces of the handbooks. I really went into telemetry and and I actually relied heavily on um, James Turnbull's um, The Art of Monitoring book. So I actually used a lot of his material, um, you know, with, with um, credit, you know, credits and all that, um, you know, which is, is a really good that, – that book, if you know nothing about monitoring, like you're just coming in, um, it, it really is a great – you know, James does a great job. He, he, he wrote the, the original Docker book and – yeah. And, it, and it goes pretty far. I mean, like things people don't even think about, like data types for fields in your monitor. Like, uh, now, I fortunately, um, back in the day when I did Tivoli, that was one of my core knowledge pieces was monitoring. And monitoring has always been a crappy name for this space. Because even, you know, back in the, you know, like, you know, going back 15 years ago, some of the technologies, even though Tivoli wasn't a great technology, of how some of the Tivoli products looked at the data. Um, you know, you, you had, you know, stuff that was um, real-time. You had something that was kind of warehouse-based. You had 24-hour data. You had logs. I mean, you, if you really started breaking down what we generically just call, quote, monitoring, yeah. There was so many different, it was correlation, event correlation, complex event. Pro- I mean, like we go on forever, uh, you know, and time series. Like, and, and Jane does a good thing in his book. So I always thought the industry kind of stunk at like picking words for what this is. And when I wrote that section on monitoring in the Linux Foundation, I, I wanted to really drive the notion of telemetry. You know, like is telemetry the right um, super metaphor for all the things we did? And then about a year later, um, you know, I started seeing this word observability show up on the radar. I don't know who kind of coined it in, 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 obviously the word existed forever, but coined it in the jargon of like DevOps or whatever. I loved it. I was like, that's better than telemetry. It's way <laughs> like, better. Yeah, it, it, it is the right way to describe. So then, okay, so I know you know this well. Okay, so great. I love observability. I think. I mean, it's a little overhyped, but that's okay. Everything is DevOps, DevSecOps. Like, overhype is part of the game. So, okay, we can start with observability. Then, then I think what we need to do is the people who want to be the vanguards is to stop with the fluff. Let's start talking about what data really means. You know, what's time series data? What is, what is the data type of data? Is certain data to average? Some data is, you know, 
um, you know, incremental, uh, you know, uptime. You know, I mean, we go on, you know, some data is events. Some of it is correlation data. You know, some is really sophisticated. You know, some of the stuff you guys do is single FX, right? Like, you know, real serious math on the data. And, and I think that um, this is not a space I spend too much time on, but I think it behooves evangelists in this space to codify top-down what does desirability mean instead of just throwing it around as just another word to, um, like, you know, there, there's some roll up your sleeves. Okay, you're not a kitten. Sorry. You have to figure out, like, I, you know, when you tell me you do observability, I'm going to ask a question about what do you do, you know, you know, what are your data formats? What are your, you know, what do you store? You know, that, those type of things. And I think, um, I, I think we do have a lack, I'm going to go off here too. I think we have a lack of evangelists that um, can totally unpin themselves to the vendors. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody here does that. In fact, you two are great, great evangelists. Um, but um, I think we have a problem here is that we get these fancy terms and the evangelists are mostly vendor-based and most vendor-based evangelists are going to describe things in a very siloed way. And great evangelists strip themselves. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm going to say one last thing is a lot of times when I've worked for vendors, um, if the CEO didn't know me that well, or, and they'll say, well, John, I noticed you never talk about our product. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yep. But, uh, you know, so, so great evangelists um, are ones that actually try to solve the meta, the, the big problems in the space that they're involved in, and they decouple themselves from the, the things that the marketing people in general want you to kind of put you know put in a box i have to step in and plug a product and this product is uh, devrel radio which is another podcast that uh, i'm i have uh, honor to be a part of it and that's a podcast about devrel and we speak a lot there about how to do developer relations properly and which means not to talk about the product talk about the community talk about the trends and uh, all the rest of the stuff so devrelrad.io that was a timely yeah. plug. Yeah, so I mean, again, just, yeah, that was good. I mean, the other thing going back to, so, like, do, are, are, are we, are we um, creating a group of, I mean, developer evangelists have been around a lot longer than this weird thing that, like, these technology evangelists, you know. Got people like, well, they, like, how, you know, what do you do? I'm like, it's hard to describe, right? Because I'm not a developer evangelist. I'm like an evangelist on transformation. And I just think that, like, our industry's got to get a lot better if we're going to talk about an evangelist who works for a monitoring company, you know, um, I think we'll do our industry a lot better if that person talks about observability and tries to uncouple what that means regardless of whether those are the things that that vendor does or not. And that the marketing department gives that evangelist the bandwidth to help our industry codify because otherwise, then it's just a term that gets pushed around, and, and I don't know. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Hey, John, this was an interesting journey. We started from, we talked <laughs> about collusion, books, liquid software, observability, security, um, kittens. Uh, you heard it here first, too. That's right. Uh, Bart, you missed, uh, you missed uh, a, a great bit where I call. I call BS on John, and he gets agitated and animated and gives us an awesome, awesome view 
on how to do things. Like so I, I, what you say is that I will have to listen to the podcast that I was a host on. I never do it. Uh, well, I know. I think this one is, uh, there, there, there are some quotable quotes in there. And uh, this was a, a, a tremendous journey with somebody who's been uh, at the current movement uh, in, from the very beginning. And it sounds like going to be at the very root of, of the next generation movement in, uh, in our industry. Things, uh, the only constant things is the, the fact that things have changed. And John is clearly passionate on, on security and, uh, and, yeah. and a lot of companies will get passionate on that soon too. I, I will say this, the, um, you know, the, like there's few podcasts where we, you get me going on the, this level. Um, and it takes people who are kind of meta thinkers to get me into like, I start thinking, Oh my God, I'm going off the rails on my, my theories. Right. But they're the ones I learn at the end of them. Like, Oh my God, I had an amazing time on that podcast. Right. When, when people, can challenge those kind of questions and this was good just so you know but uh, it, short way of saying anytime you want me back man just give me a holler so. that's awesome john we, we, you set the bar high uh for for us as, as as the creators of this content and uh for any other guests we're gonna have the the bar has been set pretty high and it's now upon us to maintain that bar and with that i'm gonna toss it to my Partner in crime and conference speaking, a friend of 25 years. It's kind of crazy small world. We've known each other since high school. No other, as a chief, no other than the chief stickers officer at the company called JFrog. Let me try it with the Russian accent. Baruch Sadogorsky. That was very, very good. You saw it, John? It actually says chief sticker officer. I love it. I love it. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and this, this is the sticker part. Well, um, Leonid, thank you very much. I think you did a great, a great work here holding the fort while um, us uh, going like in and out. Uh, and um, obviously, John, thank you so much yeah, no, for no. honoring us in our like inaugurated episode with your presence, with your energy, with your passion, with your knowledge, with your experience. That was absolutely awesome. And uh, that was uh, John Willis, people that you all uh, know and like and now know even better and like even more. Um, and us, Crazy Russians in the Voops, uh, with me was uh, Leonid Golnik, um, Executive Vice President of Engineering in Signal Effects. We also had uh, Alona Prokharchik, um, Engineering Manager at Rancher, and we have Archie Koharidinov, who is the NCF, uh, CNCF Ambassador in Canada. Um, and myself, as uh, Leonid already uh, spoke a lot. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, goodbye. See you in a second episode. By then, we will try to get with a proper like opening, maybe. We have some ideas for Russian military marches as our <laughs> music. I think that <laughs> the name no, 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 I completely forgot. I was looking for balalaika music today. We need uh, some yeah, but for Balalaika, you need to have a bear with, with a bottle of vodka and, and the nuclear reactor. That kind of hard to figure out, especially in California. <laughs> you could just send people like a packet of frozen borscht or something like that and then well, tell borscht. them to put some hot water in it and eat it while they're actually, as your guest. Yeah, that's a great idea. Borscht. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it, man. Balalaika. <laughs> yes, yeah. So we, we have a lot of go on and a lot of uh, um, merchandising figuring out. And you know what? Packets of frozen borscht with the logo of our podcast. Oh, I want I want a crazy Russians podcast. DevOps, DevOps podcast sticker, man. I get, I get the first freaking one. I get first one, man. I get dibs. Yeah, first yes one. 
Right. You, you got it. You got it. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>